From the ACLU, this is At Liberty. I'm Kendall Seesmeyer. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your host. It's back to school season, and this week we are digging into the wild world of dress codes. Clothes, like most things, have the power we give them. Sometimes they're a way to craft or express identity, and sometimes they're just pieces of fabric stitched together to help us get through our days. In school, certain kinds of clothes are given more power and more scrutiny than others. In school, certain kinds of clothes and style can get you in trouble. At the ACLU, we believe that school dress codes are tricky, and they can be ripe venues for the discrimination and censorship of young people. In this episode, we'll hear from Kayla, a track athlete originally from Albany High School, who found herself and her teammates suspended for their dress code violation. We'll also chat with Linda Morris, a staff attorney with the ACLU's Women's Rights Project, who will break down why we got involved. Okay, here's Kayla. Hi, I'm Kayla Huba. I'm a 2022 graduate from Albany High, and I was on the track team for four years there. So I want to go back to the beginning of this incident. Can you take us back to that day at the end of May? What happened? Okay, so right from the beginning, there was a practice that the athletic directors showed up to, It was really hot that week, so everyone was kind of dressed appropriately for how hot it was. Um, The guys, shirts off, girls, same, but like with a sports bra on, they were just trying to like cool down. She came out, the athletic director came out onto the track and took up around half of the practice, speaking to the team and the coaches about why what the team was wearing was unacceptable. I've practiced in a sports bra before, like previous years, so I didn't see what the problem was. Then the next day I showed up, we literally just did like one warm-up lap, and then I didn't even get to do other stuff that day at practice before the athletic director came on. And that's when she told the girls that we had to leave with no warning or anything. So, And... And her opinion was that sports bras were inappropriate? Yeah, she claimed that sports bras were inappropriate because we had male coaches present. So, (laughs) yeah, so wearing that in front of males is inappropriate, according to her. And they hadn't had a problem with you practicing in sports bra. No, the coaches never had a problem with what we wore to practice. If it was inappropriate, like, they would have said something. But it was just regular sports wear. Like, it wasn't anything crazy. And what were the boys wearing that day? The boys, they had shorts, like, just regular basketball shorts, I guess. And then some of them were shirtless or had, like, wife beaters on. And were they also told that their, you know, being shirtless at practice was inappropriate as well? That day that we got kicked out of practice, she went up to like three of them and said, hey, can you put your shirts on Um, or something like that? 
But she did not give any of the girls a warning, didn't say, okay, go ahead and put your shirt over it. She said, you guys have to leave. Got it. And what happened from there? What were the ramifications of getting removed from practice? As soon as the athletic director asked us to leave practice, we did. We got our stuff and we headed out of the gate. So we went to Stewart's and we got ice cream and stuff as like a whole group. And we came back. Some of the girls were getting rides and there was also a cross game there. So I was going to go anyway. I know a few of the other girls were going to go anyway. Um, she didn't tell us we had to like go home per se. Like she said, mm. just you can't practice. So like you have to leave practice. So we showed up and instantly we were met with three security guards telling us that we couldn't get into the bleachers. We were just trying to sit down And that's when she came down from the bleachers and she was like, oh, nice try, guys. Like this little protest that you got going on, but you got to go. And I'm like, this isn't a protest. We're just trying to watch the game. She's like, no, 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 no. Like basically like thought we were trying to like do something else. And like that was not the case at all. Like literally just a game, you know. Then she was like, oh, well, it's because of what you're wearing. It's going against the dress code. That was like the first time she like really set like the dress code. And I'm like, where in the dress code does it say that we can't wear a sports bra? Like Olympians wear this, you know, like it literally (laughs) so many other teams wear stuff like this and it's only exposing our stomach. It felt selective to you. It, It really did feel selective. Like the boys got to keep practicing. They were told to put their shirts back on. And while we were walking around the fence to leave, I saw them still without shirts on, a few of the boys. So she wasn't enforcing any of the rules that she said that we were breaking to the boys, just to the girls. Yeah, and as another woman telling us to do that and not, like, it it didn't make sense to me. Like, you're another female. Like, why are you treating us differently? You know? Yeah, well, and I think the reasoning saying that, oh, well, you have male coaches coaching a a woman's team, you would imagine that if that was a real concern, they would just not have male coaches. (laughs) Did this continue on? She came through and was trying to take our IDs and number or uh, names to call our parents. And we didn't understand why, like no one was getting in her face. We were just simply like confused. Um, so she was walking around trying to take down those names and stuff. She got a few of them and then she went up and started to call some of the parents, I believe. Sounds like it escalated pretty quickly. It, yeah. it did. It really escalated quickly. And we weren't doing anything. We weren't being hostile at all. Like we just wanted a clear answer. Um I don't know. To some people, it can seem like we were just, oh, like, this is the wrong place, the wrong time. But if you're going to try to enforce rules on one group of people, it has to be everybody. It cannot be selective because at that point, it's discriminated. Like, you know, like you can't just pick and choose. And we were already very frustrated that we were getting taken out of a practice that we weren't even going to stay that long that day because it was so hot. Like, you know, so. yeah. And you said that you got suspended? Yes. So... What did that look like? The next day, um, the first person that I heard about it from was 
Jordan, the one who made the petition on change.org. So she had said, hey, like I just got, I think she said she got an email or a phone call or something. Her parents got a phone call that she was suspended. Um, And then another one of my friends had said, I just got a three-day suspension, like my parents told me. And I was like, whoa, so does that mean the rest of us are too? Because we were all there. So then I talked to my coach and he's basically like, yeah, like, yeah, you guys got suspended. You're getting suspended. So then one of the girls, she set up a meeting with the principal and was like, can we talk to you and the athletic director? Because why are we getting these suspensions? What did we do? So this is like really approaching the time that we're supposed to be on the bus um, to go up to this huge invitational. And so we got there. The athletic director wasn't there. It was just the principal. She was saying, okay, well, we're going to get your statements and we're going to talk to you guys. It lasted like two hours of us just trying to plead our case and tell her like we didn't do anything wrong. And the principal had said that the athletic director thought that we were getting really aggressive at the lacrosse game and that we weren't leaving. We weren't listening to her. We were using vulgar language against her. So she thought it was um, acceptable to give us a three-day suspension. So the following day, like I, we were really mad that we couldn't go to that meet because that was a huge meet. Um, at that point, I was just reaching out or like just starting to talk to the coach that's at my college now. So I wanted to kind of like show him like, hey, like I can really perform at this huge meet. And I was excited to show him my times and stuff. So, and this is also another opportunity for us to qualify for the three other meets that were up, that were huge towards the end of the season. Then we put in letters after that day to like get the suspension dropped. And that was denied by the superintendent. Um, So then we did another one that would go to the Board of Education. And that one eventually was approved, but not for the reason that we would have liked. Um, The reason it was approved for our suspensions to be dropped was because of the way that the athletic director gave us our suspensions, not because oh, they thought the mechanism, we were right. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, trying to get out error. of this. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get out of. Um, I'm assuming like the media attention surrounding this situation. Sure. 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 Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not dumb. Like I know what was going on. Like because it would have been passed the first time through the superintendent if they really thought that we didn't do anything wrong or if the way that we were given the suspensions was incorrect. No, it had to go through three groups of people before that happened. Um, And that was after the letter was sent out from um, the ACLU. So, you know, (laughs) very convenient, I would say. The ACLU heard about the widespread suspensions on the Albany High School track team from a story on the news. With the support of the New York affiliate of the ACLU, otherwise known as NYCLU, the Women's Rights Project sent a letter to the Albany School District concerning the dress code's potential violations of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, New York State Human Rights Law, New York Education Law, the Dignity for All Students Act, and other local anti-discrimination protections. 
I told you that dress codes were a big deal. I spoke with Linda Morris, staff attorney for the ACLU's Women's Rights Project, to learn more. This specific incident was concerning to us for a few different reasons. The first was, of course, the report that the students had been told that they weren't allowed to wear sports bras because it was a distraction to their male coaches, which was very alarming to hear. Um, That is not something that any student wants to hear from their athletic director. And so that was one reason why we were really alarmed. Another reason we were alarmed is because we learned that the students, the girls in this case, were being treated differently for wearing sports bras than boys who were practicing without shirts. Um, We heard that the girls were asked to leave the field immediately while the boys were given a chance to put on their shirts and basically continue to practice uh, without having to having to leave. Um, and so those were those were two two major red flags for us. The other red flag had to do with the dress code itself, which prohibited items of clothing that seemed specifically targeted at girls. So there were prohibitions against quote unquote extremely brief garments. Uh, such as plunging necklines, spaghetti straps, the types of items that are more commonly worn by girls. And those are usually tips to us that there's something going on underneath the surface uh, where gender is being targeted by the dress codes um, in in a particular way. It was also apparent that once the athletes mounted a level of resistance or protest for the ways that they've been treated, that the punishment then increased. Absolutely. A major red flag was the fact that the students received notice of their athletic suspensions the day after they came to a lacrosse game and expressed their concern that they were being treated unfairly. Um, It also, those suspensions came after the students created a petition on change.org expressing their concerns again that they were being treated unfairly and discriminatorily. Um, And so that raised real concerns about a potential violation of their First Amendment rights. What would you say for people who are listening who might say, well, every school district has a dress code. I mean, that feels like small potatoes for the ACLU to be getting involved in this work. How do you respond to that? That's a great question. And I understand that sentiment, but what I think it's important to remember is that at the heart of this work is the fact that dress codes are often about policing girls' bodies. And dress codes are often based on very outdated and extremely sexist stereotypes about gender. So for example, dress code enforcement often reflects a stereotype that girls' bodies are inherently vulgar or inappropriate and require more regulation than those of boys. Um, Dress code enforcement often tends to reflect the stereotype that boys and in this particular case, adult male coaches are going to be distracted by girls' bodies and that their freedom from distraction takes priority over girls' right to be comfortable or really girls' physical well-being and safety in this case. Dress code enforcement is often especially targeted against girls of color. And that's because of intersecting race and gender stereotypes 
um, particularly about Black girls, that Black girls are perceived often as more adult-like or less innocent, perceived as more aggressive or more threatening than their white counterparts. So in this case, the school district told these girls that they posed, and I quote, a continuing danger to persons or property or an ongoing threat of disruption, which is very severe and very harsh language when you remember what, who we're talking about. We're talking about girls who were practicing in sports bras at sports practice on a very hot day. And so, you know, these are the types of cases that the ACLU is really concerned about, especially when we consider the impact and the harm on the students who are being disciplined. Can you talk a little bit about the other intersections at play here? So grooming policies is another big aspect of dress codes where we see race in particular play a major role quite often with this. Uh, We see it with Black students who are disciplined for having hair that is deemed as extreme or unprofessional by the school districts. Something that we have also seen in ACLU of Texas in particular has been a real leader here are prohibitions on certain hairstyles that impact Indigenous students. Um, So hair length policies in particular are an example where that shows up, um, where where a student's hair length can be a real central part of their identity, of their heritage. And um, that's something that they've been penalized in the past because of these types of grooming standards that are really discriminatory and also without justification, that there's really no safety justification in having these types of policies restricting certain hairstyles or restricting um, certain hair lengths. And so it's it's definitely something that we are paying attention, attention to given the existing disparities in education when it comes to student discipline for Black and brown students. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, we're talking about policing gender norms, policing uh, race. Um, all of this leads to not just policing, but criminalization. So if you violate a dress code, maybe you're one step closer to being criminalized even more punitively for other behavior, or you're going to be seen in a certain way or perceived in a certain way by your school. Absolutely. It's not just sort of those emotional harms of being told that your body is inappropriate or that your hair is inappropriate. It also goes to these real tangible consequences for students being asked to leave class and miss class time, um, sometimes receiving detention or suspension for not complying with these discriminatory dress codes. And then, you know, in sports, going back to the Albany high student athletes, that's a good example of a dress code that resulted in really pushing girls and particularly girls of color out of opportunities in athletics that can have real consequences for their higher education opportunities. Um, Because as we know, sports is a major source of scholarship funding and, you know, access to these higher education opportunities that are so crucial, especially for students of color. I want to talk about how students can actually effectively push back. And 
um, what that looks like in real life, because there are a lot of school districts, as I mentioned, <laughs> that probably have some problematic dress codes. Um, and so we need people on the ground to be armed with knowledge about how to push back against some of these harmful policies. Um, where should students start? What happens when they are being punished for a dress code that they believe is wrong? One thing I would really urge students to do is to know your rights, to find out about your rights. One resource that students can go to is actually our website, aclu.org slash dress codes. That page has a wealth of information about dress codes and, and what the law requires and uh, definitely get organized. Talk to other students who are, who are impacted and, and find out how is this coming up for them uh, what have they experienced? And really, it's that realization that students are not alone in this, that these policies impact their peers, and that collectively there is a lot of power there um, in ways that students can engage. Um, you know, we've spoken with students who have created petitions on change.org, like the students in at Albany High did, uh, students who scheduled meetings with their school officials and express their concerns about their dress codes. Students who showed up at school board meetings and as a group spoke out against these dress codes, all of those are real ways that students can fight back and try to fight for change. Um, and we've even seen really creative ideas of protests where we've seen students come together, getting boys, for example, to wear spaghetti straps to school, if that's something that they are not being dress coded for. I mean, there's so many ideas out there and there's so many creative ways that students are fighting back against these types of policies that, you know, there really are so many options for students who want to who wanna push back. When we talked with Kayla, it was very clear that she and her teammates felt that there was something wrong with how they were being treated, but didn't necessarily know that it was discrimination that they were experiencing. And I think that that is probably how a lot of students feel. They'll have a feeling that something is wrong, but they don't necessarily know that there's legal weight behind what they are experiencing, that it is actually wrong. So I was wondering if there are questions that students can ask themselves to help them parse out whether or not something is discrimination and has that legal weight to it or not, um, so that they feel competent and comfortable fighting against something. That is a great question, Kendall. And I would say that there are five main things that students can look, look out for when they're um, considering whether their dress code might be discriminatory. So first off, dress codes cannot be explicitly discriminatory, which means that they cannot treat students differently based on their gender or their race or any other protected characteristic like their religion. Um, and so, for example, that could look like a dress code that requires girls and only girls to wear skirts. Or it could look like a dress code that prohibits the types of clothing that are more often worn by girls. So prohibitions against plunging necklines, prohibitions against tube tops or spaghetti straps. Also, schools can't discriminate based on the viewpoint expressed by your clothing. 
So for example, if you're wearing a shirt that says Black Lives Matter and your school punishes you for that, that could raise some serious concerns um, of a potential violation of your First Amendment right to free speech. That reminds me of the, the Tinker case, the notable Supreme Court case that allowed students to wear bands on their arms in protest of the, the Vietnam War. And that went all the way up to the Supreme Court. So yes, students, you do have rights. Exactly. And then finally, as we were discussing, grooming policies that regulate hair length are the types of head coverings that a student can wear or the types of jewelry that a student can wear can also potentially raise major flags. Thanks, Linda. I think that's going to be really helpful to the students that uh, might be listening and might be experiencing some of these things. I can say that now looking back, listening to you speak, I'm pretty sure my high school school district's dress code was discriminatory. Um, yeah, I mean, I even have memories of being in middle school, of like the middle school gym teacher walking through our locker rooms telling girls that they they needed to, you know, wear longer shorts. So many of my friends got sent to the principal's office in middle school. It, it just feels like we have bigger fish to fry and maybe educators should worry about other things instead of, you know, policing students' uh, expression or bodies, uh, race or gender. Uh, it's really, it's sad to me that this is something that we're still talking about. And I think that that's why this issue speaks to so many people is because so many people have memories of being in school and being called out for what they were wearing. I definitely have many <laughs> memories of that, of having a, a teacher place their fingers on my shoulders to see if mm -hmm. my straps were wide enough. Um, the three finger rule, was it? Yes, Yep. Yeah, and I also remember uh, teachers telling me to put my arms down, and if my shorts didn't go as long as my fingertips, then I needed to change. I mean, all of these things are honestly things that students shouldn't have to think about when they're in school. They should be able to focus on their studies, their extracurriculars. Um, it adds a whole other layer of stress and sometimes shame to feel policed, um, especially by adults for what you're wearing and what your body looks like. And I think that that's just something that no one deserves. Um, and so, yeah, certainly hoping to fight back. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to bring it back to the Albany students. Um, so the ACLU did get involved. And what did we do? So in, in June of this year, the ACLU and the New York Civil Liberties Union, otherwise known as NYCLU, sent a letter to the school district expressing our concerns that the school district's actions were potentially in violation of Title IX and the U.S. Constitution and urged the school district to not only remove and expunge the student's suspensions, but also to change its dress code. Fortunately, the school district did just that. They appealed and removed the suspensions from the students' records. And they also changed their dress code uh, to get rid of the types of terms that we were concerned about. And so, in other words, the students in this case won. They got a victory. 
The ACLU is really here to amplify students' activism, and it's also here to validate students' concerns, to really give weight to students' opinions that these dress codes raise real concerns of violations of their civil rights, and that's what we're here for. Kayla and her teammates' victory was entirely due to their persistence and noise. Their victory is a model for students across the country who want to see a change. But for Kayla, it's a win that she shouldn't have had to fight for. In the end, you got the suspensions appealed and expunged. The school district changed its policies to remove prohibitions that disproportionately target girls. Like, it's bans on things like sports bras, spaghetti straps, necklines. What does this feel like now, sitting in the the spot? You know, we are a few months later. You're now a freshman in college. You're away from that experience. But what does it feel like now to know that, you know, for the future of your team in high school, these rules will be different? I really, really, really was hoping that this would be solved way sooner. Like having to go to like three to four meetings to change the dress code and constantly like talk to them and basically go back and forth about what we thought was right and what we thought was wrong, what could be switched around and stuff. That was really frustrating. It feels great because now you don't have to keep fighting for basic rights and you don't have to be singled out like you it it just feels really good now and it's really relieving that I don't have to keep going back and forth with these people and that our team can finally just move on from it um and we don't feel like we're being targeted you know what are you looking forward to as a as a college freshman um what has it been like I just moved in last month or Wednesday sorry I started class this Monday um I'm an accounting major and do film as my minor. I'm really excited to start up with track. I'm starting to go to the like unofficial practices now. Um, okay. Yeah. So I've met. So you're going to be running. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's um, awesome. We have time trials that come up, I believe, early October. So we're training for that. To Yeah. Like the cross country just did theirs and I got to meet them. So I've met a big part of the team, uh, the Mm -hmm. coach. So I'm really excited to just like get to know everyone a little bit better and start up with practicing and maybe venture out of what I'm uh, used to doing and go into some field events or like see what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Because track is... So this didn't steal your love for track? Oh, no. No. I've been running track since I was in like second, third grade. I've always loved to do that. Um... So it, no, this is not going to stop me. That's awesome. Uh, we really appreciate your your time, your perspective, and your voice, Kayla. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thanks so much to Kayla and Linda for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to At Liberty wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review the show. We really appreciate the feedback. Until next week, stay strong.